Turn your empties into sport opportunities. You can give a local child the gift of sport just by donating your empties to the Kids Sport Recycling Program. All you have to do is text or call 403-680-8776 to schedule your first pickup, and we will pick up your empties right from your curb. Get started today and help get local children back to sport. Text or call 403-680-8776 now. Check out Sport Calgary's This Week in Sport for the latest news and updates in Calgary's sports community. Welcome back to the Face First podcast. My name is Grace Dafo. And my name is Alicia Rissling. Today we have a special guest from Soccer Without Boundaries. Please welcome to the podcast, Jean-Claude Munyazo. Soccer Without Boundaries breaks down barriers and lets everyone feel that they belong. Participants build self-esteem, develop leadership skills, and strengthen social relationships through teamwork, fair play, and conflict resolution. Parents and families of participants also find new means to volunteer and get involved. As John claude likes to say, it's a win-win-win. <laughs> Welcome. Thank you. <laughs> well, why don't you talk about the beginning for us? How, how did Soccer Without Boundaries come to be? Uh, Soccer Without Boundaries is now 11 years old. Um, and in fact, we changed the name because it's not only soccer anymore. Uh, we offer more than soccer. <clears throat> uh, we started uh, in the park. Um, in public housing in Southwest. Um, at the time I was living in that uh, public housing and um, it was not nice. Basically the kids were, you know, doing what kids do, do when they don't have anything to do. You know? um, there was much of, um, pretty much violence and um, the kids were, they, there is a green space where kids were meeting just to uh, smoke marijuana, do other things. Na- neighbors really were scared of that park and they happened to be um, space where there is a play park and parents were scared to take the children that park, which is, uh, it's, been, it's been 30 years, never changed those equipment, by the way, okay? Um, so uh, I had two choices either rock my children in the house or um, make neighborhood safe entirely. Uh, so what I did is what I always, you know, what I know better is um, organize children and um, better way of doing it, it's a soccer. So soccer is a, a very easy sport to understand uh pretty much everyone understands the, the sport you know especially the kids from third world countries you don't need to speak english and uh, you really don't need anything you just um you need a soccer ball or something look like a soccer ball <laughs> and uh something resembled to the net um basically somewhere kids can identify they score the goal that's it so um that morning, um, I went to the park and um, with a um, few soccer balls, I was, I was coaching soccer in, in, the, in the club. So I did um, ask uh, someone uh, if anyone was involved in soccer in one of the meetings I was in and everyone was wondering what to do with the kids who are doing this kind of uh, public safety issues. 
So I was telling them, you know, um, the children have nothing to do. And everyone say, you know, we can do this, we can do this. I said, you know, let's start a soccer program. But people didn't understand. Uh, you know, I I thought every way, everything they talk about was nonsense, very complicated, uh, very expensive. Uh, there were so many excuses in the room. So, and that Saturday when I come show up with a soccer soccer ball and um, the kids came, I let them pray for 20 minutes. I say, okay, go get your parents. Uh, excuse again. Oh, my parents don't speak English. I said, that's okay. You're gonna translate for them. Uh, or there is a chance I will be able to speak uh, to them. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, to, to the point, I think I had 25 kids and we had um, about 10 parents or moms. Uh, so I told them what I was doing. So they were excited. So, and um, I started negotiating with those teenagers. I said, okay, so uh, if you want to belong to this soccer, uh, soccer has the rules, you know. Um, so either you're gonna join me or you're gonna leave. You're not coming back in this pack. So um, within two weeks, we had over seventy kids. Wow! Then, then I couldn't handle it by myself anymore. Uh, I went to the church nearby and um, asked them for volunteers. Uh, they came. Then, um, beside the soccer, we started um, um, camps every summer. Then, from the camp, we realized children were struggling um, in school, started tutoring them. And um, we started the leadership program for those children. Then, I started actually uh, picking some children and uh, talk to soccer club in the neighborhood if they can. Uh, web fees um, that uh, kids can play. Then I discovered Kids Sport, um, which is a wonderful organization. Uh, I think um, um, there, there are many kids, uh, if it was not um, our partnership with Kids Sport, they wouldn't be uh, where they are today. So. Um, we, we kind of worked on that. I put kids, not those crabs. Um, then the children started uh, really loving it. Uh, started meeting their neighbors. I, I had a parent who would drive and come and pick up these kids and, you know, they become friends with their children. Uh, you know, we started having a really success. Uh, this neighborhood is very safe today. We have 100% high school graduation rate in our group. Wow. In 2021, every kid who graduated, they are going to university. Wow. Also, yeah, all of them. So also one of um, the first kids who came to soccer without boundaries. She was nine years old, uh, very new to Canada. Um, so she ended up getting soccer scholarship. She graduated the University of North Dakota this year, and she got a job actually two weeks before graduation. She's um, working for very one of the best companies in Canada. And uh, again, uh, this is what a sport can really read to. Um, so we, yeah. So that's and anyway. That's how we started. Uh, basically, um, 
using um, solving um, complicated problems using a practical solution. You know, uh, a sport to organize children, not nothing else. There's no workshop for children. No, yeah. it, it's a sport. Also, soccer have the rules. Um, when you have children, um, most of the kids kids I have, they change every time. You know, I have kids from 49 countries. So, for example, 49? sorry, for, did you say 49, 49 oh, countries? Wow. wow. Okay. Yeah. So, for example, when the conflict was in Afghanistan, uh, the most of kids I had were from Afghanistan. Really? Okay. And if conflict was in Iraq, you know, most of the kids I had were kids from Iraq. Uh, and most when conflict was in Syria, the most kids I had were from Syria. Yeah. So this is how it is. But what I can tell you, um, what it is, is in the sports, uh, you don't need to understand uh, every culture as people think. Uh, what we introduce is something called res respect, okay? My expectation to every kid is um, hard working, which is I explained to them what, what does mean. Then there is the honesty, and there is a respectful. Um, then um, there is reliable, okay? So every single day we repeat that to children. Um, and uh, it doesn't matter where they come from. Also, um, you know, my approach, I tell people that I have other people in my organization who do things different from mine. But for me, I do approach like a soccer coach, and which is um, we have a yellow cards, we have red card, we have, uh, you know, we have those uh, uh, discipline. Because if you get children uh, from refugee camp and come, coming here, you never know how long they've been there. Yeah. Um, no rules. No one tells you them when to wake up because there's nowhere to go. No one tells you when to go to bed because often it's not really bad. They are going to. There is a social broken down. They don't have really someone to respect. Sometimes they have a um, parent. At that time, they don't. Or parent who used to be really uh, someone in their country. Now they become basically nobody. Uh, there is a struggle of parents, struggle of children. So then when they come here, very well organized society, uh, we hope our kids are going to fit in and just do well. No, it doesn't happen. No. So this is why um, we are the first entry point to introduce authority in the life of child. Okay? Where there is a referee in the field, uh, there is a coach, sometimes there is a team manager, and there are parents or any adult who have the responsibility in the soccer, basically where you have to comply, otherwise um, there's consequences. So it, it's wonderful because we transition from that, then goes to school, um, then anywhere else, um, we negotiate respect uh, to their parents, then the freedom uh, to the children, you know? so. It's, it's it's wonderful, you know, and again, because of that trust and the relationship we build in the community, uh, this is why now we change the name, um, Umoja Community Mosaic, 
Umoja means fellowship or uh, unity. And um, yeah, community mosaic, everybody knows what it is. Um, so we now have four pillars in uh, this Omoja community mosaic, which is umbrella. The pillar number one is a soccer without the boundaries, you know, yeah. which is all drop-in programs and um, any recreational uh, after-school program, because now we have after-school program. Um, we also have online tutoring, you know, when schools went online, we, are, we were first organization in Calgary who moved online right away because we, we started asking if we can get a computer. We teach kids how actually to use computer, mm -hmm. then how to learn from computer. Then we also, since we're working with the families who are from low income, we started food bank, you know, because food bank was closed uh, during pandemic and we started uh, our own. And also we very quickly figured out that there is a huge gap uh, where, you know, it doesn't matter where you come from, um, the food is, was the is the same. For us, we made it um, kind of customized. If you come from um, Nigeria, instead of giving you wheat flour, we give you pounded yam, plantain, Okay. If you're from Tanzania, South Africa, Zimbabwe, Uganda, Kenya, instead of giving you wheat flour again, we give you corn flour. If you're from Congo, Burundi, Rwanda, uh, instead of giving you um, wheat flour, we give you cassava. You know, basically wow. making sure that every food we give to someone again, 100% uh, they are going to use it. You know, so. We continue to serve people, and uh, basically our organization, we like to do things that no one else is doing. Okay. Yeah. That's pretty amazing. That is, <laughs> is so amazing. Um, I'm in awe. The thing that stuck out to me, I mean, it all stuck out to me, but was that the graduation rate and, you know, kids going to university. Um, like, I want to know, I guess, like, how hard... I mean, obviously it's, it's a lot of work, but like how hard was it to get to that point or did that happen pretty quickly once you started the program or was that like, has that built over time, I guess? <laughs> it's built on, over time. I, I am still working um, minimum 16 hours a day, okay? Wow. As we speak, um, three o'clock I would have to leave because we have a soccer program in Northwest. Yeah. And uh, building this trust with the children, you know, in the life of a child, there is something called then what, okay, always. Otherwise, they're going to be bored. So we, we always, um, they, it took time because we, you have to have um, the success that children believe in and parents believe in because the parents are very, very crucial in the life of the children. Anywhere, anything, doesn't matter how they are. If are bad parents, you know, they're gonna have uh, impact to their children. If are good parents, they're gonna have impact of children. So we do work with parents, okay? Mm -hmm. So, um, which is, if it's, uh, you know, sometimes they used to call, you know, still I can get call at, uh, you know, 11 p.m. You know, uh, so-and-so did not come home, okay? Mm -hmm. was my responsibility to wake up and go try to find where they are, okay? 
because really? I have children, okay, mm -hmm. we, I call community captains in the community who's supposed to know what's going on in, in the community, who is struggling, mm -hmm. okay? And those, the same children we did use during the pandemic, asking them, okay, you are neighbors, um, who has new, brand new baby, okay? Which house is a single mom mm -hmm. with more than one child, okay? Mm -hmm. So they get within um, two days, I had 127 families from, from those kids who are responsible. So if kids is not at the home, usually I know who to call, okay? Where do you think this kid should, could, could be? Yes, and we go there and we get this kid home safe. So, and that was a campaign that we really did. And um, also if a parent come and say, you know, so-and-so, this is what he's been doing and not really happy. So we sit down and talk about those things with parents. And basically it's, you know, community association, okay? Uh, is a very crucial. The churches in the neighborhood and other worship places, those in institutions where basically, you know, it's building a natural support where community association, when they have event, we encourage these kids and these families to go there. Um, yes, it's take time because you have to make people see that they belong to larger community, you know, rather than uh, being defined by poor or newcomers or there's so many identities you can give to people. So after three years, that's when basically we find the people who live in, uh, you know, those middle class families, you know, coming to have a supper in public housing because those, the kids are friends, you know. Mm -hmm. Then you find that this family also invite another families, okay. Uh, it, it's a huge effort, okay? However, after three years, that's when we started seeing this um, school improvement among children, okay? And uh, neighbors who live here, because we allow also children who live here to come and pray with us every Saturday, okay? Mm -hmm. If you don't mm -hmm. like it, you don't come. And if you always play hockey, you never try soccer, you know, hey, you can come salad and just kick the ball if you don't like it, not big deal. If you like it and you would, you would play more, I'm going to put you in a competitive team, mm -hmm. okay? And once I send those kids, okay, and we have a ride for them, those kids are the same who come, who come back to volunteer, okay? Majority of my volunteer are kids who are from my programs. Today, we have four camps this summer. Um, the camp coordinator, she was in my camp when she was nine years old. Mm -hmm. The assistant, uh, she was in the camp when she was six years old. Okay. Oh yeah. And um, the camp spokesperson, yes, she was in the camp when she was uh, six years old as well. So, all of those kids who are volunteering, okay, are either this is their first time, second time, third time. There's this mentorship that's going on again, where the kids in the community looking forward to play competitive soccer. Mm -hmm. Those who play competitive soccer looking forward to how they can become a small group leader in the program. 
And those who are small group really are looking forward to see when they're going to be assistant coaches. Assistant coaches looking forward when he can be paid staff in the camp. Okay. And uh, yeah, so basically it's, it's win, win, win. Uh, that's how we build it. Basically, where everyone who is in, they can see the benefit. Also, they can be see the future, you know. And again, we tell them, we give them those four things. You know what? If you work hard, you're reliable, honesty, and respectful, whatever you want to do, or you, whatever you want to become, yes, it's going to happen. Yeah. You know, so. Wow. You basically make it like it's a, it, everything comes full circle and just keep everyone involved and moving up. And if they display those pillars and even going back to what you said before about, um, you know, using the whole community, to, it's everybody's responsibility to know the status of everybody else. So you can all work together. And it just goes back to that old saying is it takes a, a village to raise a child. And you guys have essentially created that strong village um, community so that you can all work together to to set these kids up for for just give them the opportunity to be as successful as they choose to be, which I think is pretty amazing. So my question for you is actually, um, where where are you from, and how did soccer impact your life when you were growing up? Because it's obviously a tool that you you saw that would be beneficial in your in your new community here. I, I am from Rwanda. You're from Rwanda. Nice. Yes. So. I left Rwanda when I was a teenager. I, you know, become a refugee. I went in Kenya, and the first refugee camp I was in, uh, I didn't know anyone. I didn't speak the language. I was only one person who was not from uh, Somalia. This is, was a Somali refugee camp in 1993. Wow. And um, so I remember I was not there because I was, um, you know, going to register to be a refugee in the camp. I was there because kind of I went with someone to show me, you know, he was a truck driver, delivering stuff in the refugee camp. When I went there while they were unloading the truck, also was in desert. We were not going to go back. We were going to sleep at that place and go next day. So I saw the garbage that were there. There were plastic bags. was so much because everything come wrapped in a plastic bag. Growing up, um, I remember it took my elementary school almost six years to raise money to buy one soccer ball. So when I, so we knew how to make our own soccer balls using plastic bags. So I did teach those kids in the camp how to make um, a soccer ball using those garbage plastic bags were everywhere. So within probably three hours, we had more than maybe 10,000 kids where short kids follow another short kids they go to play soccer another one for another one uh basically they organize themselves to the point where i think it was unicef i can't remember organization they were amazed who did organize these children i thought i was in trouble uh, because desert was a full of children basically playing soccer mm-hmm. and it happened very quick and that's how we used to do when we were kids um if you know how to make a better uh, ball, you had a better team, you know, because you can pick you and you and you, you want to win my team. <laughs> and we had actually a competition where kids from, for example, Southwest, playing against kids from Northeast. 
you know. Mm -hmm. And the north, with northeast within what northeast kids organize themselves, they would be one team representing entire northeast because they beat every other team in the northeast. Mm -hmm. They become champion there, and that's was done by children, no adults involved. Otherwise, school or another wonderful place actually to play sport because each team has a team. The each 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 school had a team playing against another team, another school. Okay. Then at the end, there's one school that's going to be champions. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so it, it was that concept. And I knew that um, the kids are going to really love the soccer, depend how you're going to, to introduce it, which is um, the, the way to introduce soccer um, no, no one, we didn't have a coach. Yeah, we had a coach at the school, but in the neighborhood, uh, you know what? If you have one leg, there was a team for you. You know, if you, yes, basically it was a pretty much belonging. Okay. And that's what we like here. Yeah. Okay. That's what we like here because when I look at the way everything is very well, very well organized, uh, if you are good, uh, you are in one league, and if you are okay, um, yeah, so basically there is a ceiling what you can do. However, if you want to keep hope, you know, mm -hmm. every human being have their own 100%. That's what I tell the kids. It's just as uh, what matters how, what you're giving me. It's you're using your 100%. So if you're using your 100%, yes. There is, um, you know, there is room for you. Mm -hmm. If you're 100% is like Ronaldo or Messi, yes, there is a room for you. Okay. Yeah, but definitely. again, you know, we have a different 100%. It's we, you know, again, this is why we need this grassroots and communities where people own it and feel they really own it, mm -hmm. you know. Then those people who feel they should go further, we draft them from this community kind of grassroots yeah. and send them to go basically to their level to compete where they belong. You know? However, without saying, you know, you turn 18, I didn't play tier one, you cannot play for Calvary FC, you cannot go to try out with Vancouver. No. So and I think that impression is nothing wrong with that. But focusing on that one only and forget also those people who are going to actually those people who are going to be um, wrong life um, sport people. And those people are one who um, who go to watch, to pay to watch. Okay. Those are those who go back to coach the children in the community. And those are people who uh, basically push uh, those higher people in order to keep that, uh, I, I call sport culture alive. Because if you're hoping that those people are going to do that, are those who, no. But in order to continue, we have to find a way how we're not crushing their spirit. Uh, but without telling them, no, 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 you're pretty good, you can be messy, you can, no. Just give me your 100%. How much is your 100%? Mm -hmm. you know? And that's most important. If kids really believe in themselves 
And also they're going to come to say, okay, this is my 100% and this is what I can do. Rather than training like training a horse, you know, because there's how much you can train the kids, uh, you're going to get them hit it rather than um, actually continue to their own level, okay, where they feel comfortable. Then you have another one, as I say, yes, be ready to look the the kids 100%. And that's that's my probably my, my success is being able to do that. Yeah, I have a kids who are fighting all the time with other kids. I made him uh, assistant coach to me. See, he was nine years old. Okay, yes, guess what? With these kids, he's now 17. Okay, he's the one who is running soccer. When I go at the evening at the soccer to organize soccer for kids, you know, if I want, I can sit down. Okay, he believed it. Okay, so because he gets frustrated with other kids and he's not frustrated anymore because he understands when you are a coach, you cannot get frustrated and angry. Okay, whoever is slow is your responsibility to get them to the level where you want them to be in. However, you have to make sure that they're not going to quit because of you. They're going to basically find where they belong and you respect you respect that and you help them actually to be productive on that level where they are. You know, so and, and that's leadership. No, I, I, I love the story and it's, it's pretty incredible what you're doing. Um, and so I guess the last question I have for you is, uh, I see that you guys were doing some stuff with your COVID emergency response. So how, how did COVID affect your program and what were the, the types of things that you benefited or, or kind of how you grew your program through what happened through COVID? So um, because of this connection we have with the community, we, find our, we found ourselves in the very unique position where everyone roasted the people they used to serve. They didn't know where they were because the people used to go to them. But for us, we go to people. Actually, we become like a family, okay? Um, I didn't mention the, that's natural support. We have churches in the community. Anytime when they have barbecue, they use halal, okay? Mm-hmm. Same as community association. So where basically people, if they see barbecue in the neighborhood, there's no question, okay? They know that, you know, they belong there. So when the pandemic happened, um, few things happened. We were going to cross like everyone else. Okay, I sent him, I had only one staff at that time with many volunteers and she was part-time uh, program and uh, program and volunteer coordinator. So what I did, I, I told her, you know, we had after school programs, schools are going to close for sure. And uh, we cannot bring people in the office. We can go, not go to people. We have to cross uh, soccer. Uh, so let's wait and see what's going to happen. On my way, I received more than 70 phone calls in two hours. Oh, my goodness. That's a lot of phone okay. calls. <laughs> so that's when I pull over uh, from one simple question. You know, government is telling us to stay in the house. What's going to happen? Uh, because where we come from, if government says stay in the house, uh, you 
you go up in the bush behind your house, you know, to, to see what government wants. Because people don't trust the government. So I was telling them, I said, no, 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 no. Government is on our side, okay? This is invisible enemy. They're gonna let us know what's going on. However, stay in the house, we're gonna support you. There was a lady, she had a baby, um, baby was three days old. Um, she doesn't have husband, she doesn't drive. Uh, two other kids, one it was, is, uh, was seven, another one was uh, three and uh, they were in my program. So she said, what's, what's gonna happen? Because of course, all of those support, that supporting her, they shut down. Mm -hmm. So I phoned my staff, I said, you know, you're coming back to work on Monday, okay? I said, what's we gonna do? If you are inside, I will stay out, okay? If I am inside, you stay outside. How, however, look like there's work to do, number one. So then I phoned all my community captains and uh, other, we, we had just started women program. There is a woman in the community who was reading it. Mm -hmm. I phoned her, I said, you know, we're having a problem, explain to her. Um, so I need you, I might send you to this lady to kind of help her put everything on the doorstop that she can come and get them from the door. I phoned, the first person I phoned was my MLM. I told him, you know, this is what's happening. And um, I understand the government's going to help people, but might be too late to some people. So I said, I don't know where you're gonna get it, but I need $100 that I can do shopping for one mother. So he gave me 1,000 gift card from a superstore. And what I did then, I organized very quick. That's when I phoned my community captains, those children. I took the basically paper and the clipboard, telling them, okay, so the name, how many people in the house, status, single mom, everything, how many children, how old, who need the diaper, the formula so i delivered all of those papers to those kids uh then i say okay this is how you do it you're not going to someone's house you stand outside you knock the door stay fast you can and then ask those questions okay also uh, try to write their first language because in my organization we can speak uh, more than 20. You know, I always know who I can call, who can communicate to this person. Yeah. So, and um, we, within two days, we had 127 families. So this is what wow. happened. We started delivering food. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I, I started by myself delivering door to door. Then I got a few volunteers came. Then we ranch uh, online up here, people donated. And, um, you know, we are the first organization who started delivering food, okay, door to door. And also, besides giving this culture appropriate food, uh, diaper and everything, we started teaching people to, how to cook spaghetti, okay? <laughs> Standing outside far away and tell them, okay, so you, ne you, you never cook spaghetti because all children know spaghetti, <laughs> but some parents, they did it. <laughs> so we would, we would tell them how, because the food hamper we were giving to them, there was spaghetti. 
bit because uh, cooking spaghetti is very easy. It's almost similar as the way you cook those um, there's the food 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 called the fufu for African community. Mm-hmm. It just you boil water and you put the flour, whatever flour you you gonna cook. Uh, so I was telling them, okay, so boil water. Then instead of putting uh, flour, you put the spaghetti. If you want them short, you cut them. We, you know what, we, we, without, within two days, our families come telling us basically funny, you know, thank you very much. My kids, they really, really love the love spaghetti. <laughs> and when school opened, those kids who didn't take food to school because they were embarrassed to take, you know, the, the culture's food because they thought the other kids were gonna laugh at them. They are proud to take, they are proud not to take spaghetti at school, <laughs> you know, very much, um, responding to the need of people. So now we have 900 families receiving food, okay? And we have more than 100 volunteers. And guess what? Uh, Soccer clubs, we have Rangers, we have Blizzard, we have we had uh, Carl Grain, Grainmore FC. So all of those connections we, we made during good time the same people who come to deliver food, those people who are staying home, you know, mm-hmm. they they took two hours to come and pick up food and deliver to those families. And they get to know one another very well. Again, uh, there is one to go get food somewhere. And there is a one that someone delivering food to your house. Mm-hmm. And um, that's um, basically how you build uh, kind of connections. There is one who is delivering food who might not understand actually the food insecurity in this city. And there's also the person who is receiving food who never think actually someone would kind of disrupt their day, take the time and delivering food to their house. So you can see this um, again, uh, the, the connection, you know, the, the dignity and um, also we have people who used to receive food who come and um, start actually delivering food to other people, okay? So, and, and this is something really happened again, uh, connecting connect people to other people. And, you know, this is what made this organization grow. Then when they opened the spot again, we had the organization grew four times. We used to be only in Southwest, and now we went in Northwest, and we went in the Northeast, okay? In the winter, we rented Genesis Center. We have people who are taking two trains and bus to get there. There is a time that um, more than 300 kids just show up at the Genesis, you know? And, uh, uh, you know, it's... um, Basically, this is what happened again of um, when we were only place they could go. Again, this type of uh, programming, again, the reason is people believe that they own it. Again, we, you know, um, the Canadian culture is it's very well organized, everything. Okay. But sometimes it's tricky when you're telling someone who never, someone who come, who come from the war, 
they don't remember if tomorrow they're going to be alive. Then you're telling them to plan something for three months, you know. Sometimes, you know, in three months we're starting camp. No, we don't do that way. There is, there is one, those who move to go to pray in the in, in organized club, yes, they go to that level where they know where a game is going to be, mm-hmm. where, when, but in, in here, we try to keep it very simple, spontaneous, mm-hmm. and always not them to adapt to us, us to adapt to people. Then we can bring them where we want them to be. What a wonderful model. Yeah, I, I'm so impressed. I do have a question about just about, um, you know, some of these kids that you're sending up to the club level. When that happens, do you become like the intermediary of passing the me- message back and forth or um, like from the organization to the kid and the, f- and the family? Or do you just connect them and let them like how what's your involvement, I guess, once they go up to that club level? So we have all of those. Okay, we have, there's, there, there are kids I connect with the club. They can manage their schedules. They find ride very quickly. Then my job is over. Okay. Mm-hmm. Then they just come back to help me, to volunteer, to do other things. And the other I connect, then I continue to involve. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm the one who have a team snap. I'm the one who is uh, because now I started actually using a taxi to during pandemic because. I have a 15-seater bus, but you couldn't take kids in the bus. So I was using taxi, you know. I would would be the one to tell kids, okay, I send taxi. It's going to pick you up at this place, taking you to the soccer. Then, again, arrange taxi to pick them up, manage. So in my phone, I have... Each season, I have at least nine clubs, Team Snap. So basically, we have all of those. Some kids are very good. For for example, those who are playing U17, U18, you know, they they do it everything by themselves. Those who, U15, half of them, we're still managing. Or those who just came to Canada, yes, we're going to manage everything for them. Shoes, uh, equipment, where they go where it means, okay? However, in summer, we try to get, introduce a bicycle where they can ride a bike if they're going to practice in, in the neighborhood. However, we continue to get involved. Uh, however, some, they become basically independent and, and reverse, you know? The goal is that kids be able to manage their own schedules. I love that, just helping them become self-sufficient and giving them the tools of support when they need it. Just such a great model. Um, did you have something else? No, I mean, I, I just have to say thank you. Like, I think that we're so lucky to have you in our community doing this, just hearing. I've just been sitting here in awe for the yeah, whole thing, just hearing what, what you've been doing and, and essentially the model you've built, which is, as we said, self-sufficient and essentially, you know, like a model of giving back. Um, it's truly incredible and clearly you're making an impact when kids are coming back to work for you and uh and i mean no one better understands what it means to work for for you than those who have been impacted by the program themselves benefited from it thank you very much and uh thank you for kids sports you know what these kids would not succeed without the kids sport okay 
So thank you. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. That I don't know if you said that loud, but I feel like, yeah, like that's what we like to hear. Alicia and I are obviously both kids board ambassadors and to hear firsthand um, from, from you, like the difference that it makes is, is truly incredible and and why we do it. Why why we do it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So if, if somebody wanted to, to get involved with you, if they wanted to volunteer their time or if they wanted to make a donation, how can they reach you? Uh, you can visit omojacommunitymosaic.org uh, or, you know, my phone number is listed on uh, our website. Uh, Soccer Without Boundaries website also is still up. We, so basically uh, either phone me or uh go to website and right now if there's any woman coach who really want to get involved to help girls um my vision now is um creating the girls program by themselves right now we're kind of mixing them because i don't have success with the female coaches if any woman really have passion to coach girls please uh let me know uh we really need to we have already one role model, who, the girl who was nine years old, and uh, she today she's uh, working somewhere. Uh, however, I I have a very very talented girls in the program right now. It would be really wonderful to create a program for only girls and uh, give them this confidence. Again, we do solve a problem for girls to continue to to play sport. And I know there's discussion why girls they quit the sport. I think we have an idea. So, right. um, and just we don't have a means. But if we can get this support, basically for these girls to um, pass these obstacles, and it's gonna it, it's require uh, female coaches. We don't have many in the community. So if anyone really have a passion, um, you want to coach girls. Uh, please uh, contact me. All right. Well, hopefully this this gets out there and we find some some female soccer coaches out there because I know that this community in Calgary in general, we have some amazing female leaders, so hopefully we can get out to them. So it's uh, U-M-O-J-A, communitymosaic.org. And we'll yes. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, uh, Jean-Claude. This is wonderful. You have such an amazing story, and, and I, I, I'm in awe and shock, and just I'm so happy that we have people like you in our community. Thanks for joining us. Thank you very much for doing this. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it takes the village. It takes the village. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. That's another episode of the Face First podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Bye.